Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good morning, and we welcome everyone to the uh, the lesson this morning, especially those that are joining us via the internet, talk shoe and things of that sort. We're going to be talking about the epistle to the Roman church this morning, uh, just part in the first chapter here. And as something to look at that's um, always timely, um, the things being t- spoke about uh, here within this epistle, um, even though it was written uh, many, many years ago. So as we look at this letter from the Apostle Paul to the Assemblies in Christ at Rome, uh, let me share with you just a few of the historical facts I think they're very important, especially in how you remember these things. And uh, we're pretty confident that this letter was written by the Apostle Paul while he was in Corinth for about three months uh, during the early part of the year in A.D. 58. So that's, that's pretty close due to the, all the other things that he was doing before this and after and the church was doing. And one of the interesting things that is that this letter was probably carried to Rome by uh, Phoebe. You remember her? She was the deaconess from a church there in Greece, um, uh, just off, a ways off from Corinth there. Um, she was uh, a worker in the church, and she probably traveled traveled with a larger group of people because, you know, traveling was what it was in those days, a lot of footwork. <laughs> and uh, you might take a ship or you might do this or that, but it was the way to Rome. She went to Rome, and we're pretty sure this letter was delivered to the brethren there in Rome by her. We read about that in Acts chapter 20, by the way, uh, verses 2 and 3. Now, the assembly in Rome was meeting in the home of Aquila and Priscilla, at least one of the assemblies, probably the only one at this early date. We read about that in, um, in Romans 16. Maybe we can get that up, Romans 16, 3 and 4. This is the end of the letter, but... It says, Salute uh, suit Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workmen in Christ Jesus, who for my life stake their own neck, to whom not I only am thankful, but also all the assemblies of the nations. And the assembly at their house, salute 
and it goes on to salute all those um, that he will salute a, a long list after this. But they had an assembly within their home there in, in Rome at that time. And they had came from, from there. They also went back. They went back to uh, Ephesus uh, much later on, towards the end of uh, just before the, uh, the war in Jerusalem. Uh, they were also found back in Ephesus. But remember, there was a lot of turmoil with, with Christians and Jews in Rome during those last years. So it might have been a, a way of they needed to leave. So the Apostle Paul begins his letter. Um, just the first seven verses. And when we read this, we, we realize the... Um, the essence of these letters. Uh, it's an introduction to the people in Rome that who this is, who the Apostle Paul is, and what is it, what is it that an Apostle is, what, what is all of this about? It's all right here. Paul, a bondsman or bondservant of Jesus Christ, called Apostle, separated to God's glad tidings which he had before promised through his prophets in holy writings. Concerning his son, come from David's seed, according to flesh, marked out son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by or through the resurrection of the dead. Verse 5. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship in behalf of his name for obedience of the faith among all the nations, among whom are you also, the called of Jesus Christ, to all that are in Rome, beloved of God, called saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We find a lot of word, the, the word called used a lot here. And this, is a, this isn't a salutation uh, like someone calling out your name to get your attention. This is, this is a calling that is a divine calling, if you will. Um, and it needs to be understood as such. Um, but it's all, it's all by the will of God and through the Lord himself, this calling. That's why it's divine. Now, as we look at this, as I said, the, the apostleship needs to be understood. It's... I wonder how much it's understood even today. It's kind of passed out of favor once again um, outside of those that are studying this on uh, a daily basis. But the apostles were four things at least. They were bondservants to Christ Jesus. That was, that was obvious, and so they said. They were also called of God that is a divine calling. We understand Jesus said, you gave me them and, and they are mine. 
And they were called, and God knew them before their birth, even. Uh, They were set apart, such as even the Apostle Paul, the 13th one. It's a divine calling. They understood that. They were also witnesses of the Messiah. Acts chapter 1. They gave all the, the, the qualifications for an apostle are all in Acts chapter 1. They had to be with Jesus at the, at the uh, time frame, his baptism to his ascension, if you will. In the time period in between, uh, they were with him. Now, this is going to rule out apostles of Christ after the passage of some time, and not, not a whole lot, really. The lifespan of a man. They were the witnesses, the eyewitnesses, if you will. That's why they were those that were called to speak on behalf of Christ, and so they did. To all the people and all the nations, as it, as it uh, all worked out. And the fourth one is to speak the words of life, to declare the gospel of God in Christ to, to all men, everywhere. I think about Acts chapter um, 17, where Paul is preaching in, in um, Athens to the Areopagus that, on Mars Hill. And that's what he says, that God has now called all men to repent and be reconciled back to him through his son, Jesus Christ, whom he raised from the dead. And, wow, that, that, that landed like a, like a boulder in the midst of the learned scholars there. What can this mean, you know? All men should repent. So he was talking to each one of them uh, personally, and that's what the gospel is all about. The gospel is for all men, all all men and women everywhere, on every day, at any time, in in any place, as far as that goes. And the other thing is the the call. The word called here is also refers to the saints there in Rome, because if they were born out of heaven. By obeying the gospel, they were called, of course, uh, not predestined. They were pre- the apostles were predestined in Christ to be who they were. Um, all that are saved are predestined through Christ, but not, not in the way that we take predestination as God chooses who will uh, be saved and who will be lost. He's chosen that those that reject his son and reject his word will be lost. That's, that's the way it is. That's the terms of pardon. You can accept them or not. And the apostle is there to encourage everyone to accept these terms of pardon from, from the Father in heaven through his Son, Jesus Christ, the Lord. And that's, um, that was his beginning of his letter. Now, He's going to, have, the apostle's going to have praise for the brethren in the assembly there in Rome in this way. Just a few verses through verse 12. Verse 8, first, I, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is proclaimed in the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve in my spirit, 
in the glad tidings of his Son, how unceasingly I make mention of you, always beseeching at my prayers, if any way, now at least I, I may be prospered by the will of God to come to you. For I greatly desire to see you. Now remember, he had, he had not been there. He had never been to, to Italy at this time. That I may impart to you some spiritual gift to establish you. That is, to have mutual comfort among you, each through the faith which is in the other, one another, both yours and mine. Well, that was, that was quite uh, a blessing for them, I'm sure, to read, to read that in that letter as it was delivered. But in verse 8, that the way it reads about um, your faith is proclaimed. Well, that's true, but in, in the Greek it has a little more to it, a, a more to faith. And it is really, I, I believe it should be understood that it is that in your faith, in the faith, is being heard of in all the known world, and that would be among men and women uh, everywhere that are hearing about the news of the way, as it was known, the way of the way of the carpenter, the way, uh, the way of Christ, the Messiah. But see, the word Messiah meant little to anyone but uh, but someone that was Jewish. Messiah, there wasn't a Messiah for the, for the Greeks or for the Romans. They had their gods. They had all kinds of things. So Messiah is a, a word, um, uh, is the Hebrew reckoning of that word. Um, Christ is the Greek word for Messiah. So that's why we have two that we use <laughs> randomly. Um, So this is incredible, but the word was getting out. But why wouldn't it? You see, things happening in Rome, people came and went to Rome all the time. It was, uh, it was a hub. It was the best-known city in the world. We had Rome. We had Athens. We had Jerusalem. We had Alexandria. Those were the main cities of the, of the known world at that time. Traveled. And these things, word of mouth. Um, and there would be people talking about the, the new way. Um, and, um, and it was considered a, a Jewish, and in Rome it was considered a sect of the Jewish people because most of the Christians were Jewish people uh, to start with. Now the Apostle Paul here desires to enrich their fellowship, that is those in Rome, uh, with something that he says um, are uh, spiritual gifts. Now these are apostolic gifts, spiritual gifts to further establish their faith and their work in the Lord. And I think that's a wonderful thought, and he meant exactly what he said. But what does he mean by that? I think if we go to Acts chapter 8, if we go to Acts chapter 8, I'm going to turn there too. 
And uh, verse 14 is where we'll start. This is the account where um, Peter and John go to Samaria, I believe. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Right. Uh, Philip had went to um, um, Samaria, and he was preaching the gospel, and he had um, many converts. But in verse 14, it says this, And the apostles who were in Jerusalem, having heard that Samaria had received the word of God, sent them to Peter and John. In other words, from Jerusalem, they sent Peter and John to Samaria, who, who come down and prayed for them that they might receive the Spirit, holy. And this, I'm telling you, is, is, the, is the apostolic gifts uh, that were given unto the church uh, to certain people, not everyone, but to those that the Lord would have these certain abilities. For, uh, there's no he in there, for it was not yet fallen upon any of them. Only they were baptized to the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands upon them, and they received the Spirit, holy. But Simon, having seen that, now Simon was the sorcerer, but he had also believed the gospel and, and was baptized as a number of other people were. He saw that by the laying on of the hands of the apostles, the Spirit was given. Well, he offered them money, saying, Give to me also this power, in order that on whomsoever I may lay hands, he may receive the Spirit. And Peter said to him, Thy money go with thee to destruction, because thou hast thought that the gift of God can be obtained by money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not upright before God. And on it goes. He tells him to repent of this thinking. Now what we find here is the issue of the spiritual gifts. That's why the apostles were sent there, to impart the spiritual gifts on the new converts. The church had... They didn't have a Bible. They didn't have an evangelist outside of Philip, and he wasn't going to stay. Now, Philip had, 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 had the hands laid upon him, remember, in Acts, I think it's chapter 6. Uh, him and a number of other men, six other men, I believe, and they had been imparted uh, gifts to these men for the work of ministry which also included helping uh, serve people that couldn't help themselves, and, but it also meant preaching the gospel. Not only that, Philip was doing things, he was doing signs, and casting out unclean spirits, things that, they, they, that the abilities that had been given Philip, I, don't, I can't enumerate them, I don't know what they were, except for what I read. But Simon saw these things, and he understood that Philip had received his gifts from the apostles, 
And it made it very clear that the, without the laying on of the hands of the apostles, uh, these things are not imparted. So I wanted to explain that because many times we, we wonder, some people wonder what he truly was meaning by that. It wasn't just his presence. It was his apostolic ministry that they were going to be blessed from. And there would have been certain ones of them, when he finally did get there, that uh, he would have set apart for this work and that work, and there would have been gifts of that nature within the, uh, within the congregation when uh, an apostle was present. So it's a wonderful introduction to the letter. It's a wonderful praising of the, of the church there that we find. Um, but we're getting to the meat of it now because it's a progressive thing here with the apostle and his writing. Now, and, and it's this. The gospel must be proclaimed. This is the point. The gospel must be proclaimed. It's God's salvation offer to all men through faith through their faith in the faith, I might add. And he starts here in verse 13 with a phrase that the apostle uses in a number of letters. But I do not wish you to be ignorant, brethren, that I often propose to come to you and have been hindered until the present time that I might have some fruit among you too, even as uh, among the other nations also. So fruit, he wanted to have, he wanted to bring in the message, he wanted to bring more people into the, into the church uh, through his preaching if he could. He wanted to have fruit among, un, among them as they were doing. He wanted to add his support to it. Then he says this in verse 14, I am a debtor both to Greeks and barbarians, both to wise and unintelligent, so as far as depends on me, I am ready to announce the glad tidings to you also who are in Rome. Now that's a statement that we'll reread it. For I am not ashamed of the glad tidings, for it is God's power to salvation to everyone that believes, both to Jew first and to Greek. For righteousness of God is revealed therein on the principle of faith, to faith, according as it is written, but the just shall live through faith. The Apostles' Plea, we have that in verse 15. This is the, the Apostles' Plea, a plea as far as evangelism goes, it should be uh, our plea and evangelists uh, that are preaching the gospel, it should be our plea. And it says as, as, um, as far as the different versions put this a little differently. I'm not, I'm, I think I'm used to the King James, but it's, this one says, so as far as depends on me, am I ready to announce the glad tidings to you also who are in Rome. That almost sounds like a question the way it's written in my Bible, but I don't believe it was a question, it's a statement. 
He was ready to announce, as far as it depended on him, (coughs) which is a personal thought, if you think about it, um, he was resolved. He encourages others to also be resolved, especially those evangelists that he has sent out and the ministers that he was uh, teaching at the time. Now, the next one is, the, I think, is the apostle's character. And, and I think this is interesting, too. And it's a famous statement from the scriptures. And the apostle says, For I am not ashamed of the glad tidings, that is, the gospel of Christ. For it is God's power unto salvation to everyone that believes, both to Jew first and to the Greek. For righteousness of God is revealed therein. And, you know, I've often taken this as an idea that the gospel has a real power within itself as far as the words go. The words. Remember Peter's words to Cornelius? That the angel sent, uh, told Cornelius to send men and, and bring Peter for he has the words that you need to hear. Everything's about the words. We, we still have the words in our scriptures. They still need to be spoken for them to be effective or at least read and spoken. Both would be preferable, I imagine. So I think this is a wonderful text. The other thing is the righteousness of God um, is revealed therein on the principle of faith, to faith. God's righteousness is clearly seen in his offer of salvation. He didn't have to send his son to remove sin, but it was the only way. Because remember, men brought sin upon themselves as they disobeyed God, disobeyed God's word. Sin came into their life. But what's the remedy? Well, the first remedy was that some innocent animals were slain so that the nakedness of Adam and Eve would be covered. Because remember, now they were wise. And they were so wise that they realized they were naked and they needed to be covered. And, and on it goes. The workings of sin. But God's gift to man is reconciliation. Being reconciled back to him. That was the, the reason. Jesus brought both the Jews, the covenant people of God, and the Greeks together in him to be reconciled through the blood of of Christ on the cross to the Father. Because remember, the uh, flesh and blood does not enter the kingdom of God. To be reconciled, you must come through Christ. That's why Jesus said clearly, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In John fourteen six, 
So God's gift to man is reconciliation. It is only attained by men through faith in God's work. So as I think of Jesus, uh, one of his uh, proverbs about uh, the thief trying to get into the sheep pen and take the sheep to steal and kill and all these things, trying to get in every way. But there's only one way. That is through the gate. There's only one way. Through Christ will we find reconciliation. And he gives an order first to the believing Jew, that is the Jew that has faith in God's message and his Messiah. Secondly, to the believing Greek, that is the Greek that now believes in the one true God and his Messiah for mankind, the Gentile. That's the order. That's the fullness of it. Nothing else need be said. Uh, There's two kinds of people. Uh, were the covenant people of God and those outside of the covenant. They, we still have the same situation today in the world we live in. The covenant people of God and those outside of the covenant. But today, the church is supposed to be desiring to bring the outs- people outside of the covenant into the covenant through the terms of pardon, through God's reconciliation, His way. So let me conclude today with this. For the righteousness of God is being revealed. By the way, that was in present tense at that very moment and had been revealed in the preaching of the gospel out of the faith and man's faith in it. Now that's the true true concept of it here. Um, I think of Romans chapter 10 when when it talks about uh, salvation, uh, about uh, those that hear the truth. For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And then it goes on and on to explore everything. But how can they hear if if no one comes to them to speak the word? And all the different attributes of what this process is. Um, I think that's part of what the Roman road is speaking about. How do these things happen? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And out of that hearing... We start to have faith in what has been presented to us as the faith, the gospel, the plan of reconciliation. But the apostle goes on to say this, and I believe this was a favorite passage of some of the old reformers. But the just out of faith shall live. And that's true. Those justified will be justified through their faith. And they shall live. And they shall live because they are in Christ. The good news, the power of God unto what? Unto salvation. Unto all that is at the end of the day 
as they always say, at the end of the day when your days are, are over, you're not going to worry about the troubles that have troubled you for your whole life. You will now be worrying about what comes next. And to those that know, it's not a worry. It's a conclusion. Um, it's the end of one thing and the beginning of something that you know is going to be far, far superior. But the end, to those that have no knowledge, the fear factor is enormous and frightening. And that we would, if we could, spare anyone that, that, that situation. But only through God's word, only through Christ, and only through the terms of pardon that God has offered. So let us conclude with that this morning. Um, just the first 17 verses of Romans. And we'll be singing uh, our, our closing hymn, Love Divine, All Love Excelling. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.